Yo, what's good, everyone? Thank you for stepping into the coach's box. This is uh, your host, Coach JP3. Got Coach Natty T, Coach Murph, and Coach Pace. So we got a lot of NBA stuff to talk about today. We even got a lot of NFL stuff to talk about today as well. So yes, NFL right around the corner. You know we got to cover it here on the coach's box. But there's kind of a big series going on called the NBA Finals, and that's where we're going to start. So a little bit of finals analysis through the first uh, few games here, and Coach Pace is going to get it started. So Coach Pace, what are you thinking about the finals so far? There's only two words I'm thinking about right about now. I'm going to leave everything else to you guys. <laughs> Draymond Green, I'm on his behind. <laughs> but listen, man, I'm sick of it. 15 points and 15 fouls. Like, <laughs> what? are we doing are we actually playing basketball at this point he'll get listen for somebody that won defense player of the year you know def he can't even hang his hat on defense he was getting souffle <laughs> the botch it barbecue the whole nine all game three in the first quarter especially getting cooked he was like Eli apple out there <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was basically Eli Apple on the basketball court, taking turns. Like, people was just giving him the business. And then you get so – he's hacking and complaining. And then, you know, after the game – I'm going to let Coach Murph get on this. But after the game, you know, he's like, well, you know, you're reaching for that one. Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to still do this podcast. Ha, ha, ha. That's fine and dandy. I, I like the podcast. I'm not going to lie to you. The podcast is cool. Mm -hmm. But my boy, you sound like you care about more about that podcast than you actually do about winning. And that's my problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, because on the court takes care of off the court. Once you flip it, you might as well hang it up. And that's what it seemed like he doing. He flipping it. So, Draymond, if I see you tonight <laughs> and you got more fouls than any other stat, and you got, you know, you, your attitude is lackluster, and you doing and you don't shoot. Don't let me see you not shoot. I'm really on you next week. Don't even worry about it. Cause I know you ain't gonna be consistent and score above, you know, five points. <laughs> Trust me, I'm on you next week. Get it together. Take it away, guys. <laughs> there it is. We'll segue into you, Coach Murph. I know you had some thoughts about Draymond Green and and, and Clay Thompson and stuff. So what what's on your mind here about the NBA finals? Um <clears throat> I mean, the series is it, good. I mean, it's, it's a solid series. It's just annoying because of the narratives that the, the media is pushing. Like, I feel like they're trying so hard to give Jason Tatum the finals MVP and a Celtics win when right now he's been getting outplayed by um, – he's getting played, outplayed by Jalen Brown. He's been the most consistent player. If the numbers-wise, they look the same, but – Impact wise, we can anybody with an eye can see <laughs> that Jalen Brown has outplayed him. This is exactly what I was talking about. Everybody's so pressed to move Steph up, and I'm just like, these are things you have to overcome. These are series that great players, top 10 players, overcome. And he's playing well. But it's not good enough. If that was anybody else, like a LeBron or uh, like how they would judge a Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, people of vast stature, they're expecting you to do something about it. Mm -hmm. You just have to overcome that. And he's not doing it. Clay, 
trash. <laughs> All you do is complain. You, you you complain about like how the kid or how you know fans are cussing in front of kids and saying how classy it is and how the they're immature. Have you not looked at your teammate Draymond Green? And all the ticky-tack arguments and, like, flailing all around on the court, like, he's playing child. She cussed in front of his son during the <laughs> during his post-game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we talking about? Draymond is just – he needs to come off the bench. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's what uh, Stephen Jackson said earlier today. You – you can't be going out there having more fouls than you have any other stat outside of minutes. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous, especially for you to be one of the best players on the team and also one of the best defenders, but Jalen Brown was attacking you. Like, nah, like, I want him. He literally had one of the worst playoff performances ever, like, in history. And then I hate how he attacked that reporter about talking about his podcast and then tell people how people keep bringing up his podcast. He still want to do it. Nobody cares about you doing your podcast. We're fine with that. But the way you're playing is what's drawing more attention to that. Because it's like, if you were playing well, we're not saying nothing. You're just doing your podcast and you're balling, but you are literally the worst starter on the court. And you're supposed to help the team flow and you're doing a really bad job at it. So I'm just, I'm just sick of the Warriors. I, I've been telling y'all since jump, whoever came out the East was going to win. This series happened. I said the Celtics will win in six. I still believe they do. I think the Warriors will take a game, one of these next two games. And uh, it's just sad. It's just sad. It's a in a perfect world. Jason Tatum will finish his Finals MVP, and the Warriors will go home sad to never sniff the Finals again. I'm curious <laughs> what moves they're going to make because if you think you're going to run it back, I mean Jordan Poole might be out of there. It's either you get paid you know, X amount of money to be a backup because you'll still come off the bench. Unless if Clay is going to be like, oh, I'll come off the bench. But still, you're not the defender Clay is or was. Or you can go somewhere else and get paid way more and be a starter. So you're basically stuck with your core guys who are old. Two of them are way past their prime. Clay due to injury and Draymond due to being trash. <laughs> so uh, I don't know I think the writing is on the wall if anybody still believes in the Warriors you're crazy because Steph has never shown me nothing in any of his finals appearances where it's just like oh I believe this guy can overcome this yeah Ugh, this is tough this is tough coach Natty T go ahead chime in yeah I mean I really disagree with what you know the fellows have already said. Um, I think what's interesting about the the Draymond situation, and at least from what I've watched this week and heard this week, nobody's mentioned this point because I think the most interesting thing about it is 
who on the Golden State Warriors, meaning his teammates, are going to check Draymond? Mm, nobody. To me, that's the biggest point about it because he's playing like garbage. And if you're one of his teammates and he's just doing this podcast or whatever, I mean, you know, whether it's really having an effect on his game or not, you know, whatever. But, I mean, if I'm his teammate, like, we're having an intervention. Like, bruh, get the hell off the podcast. But Steph's not going to do that. Clay's nah. not going to do that. If anybody, Iggy might. Maybe Iggy might, but Iggy's not playing. So, it's yeah. like. You can't, check one, you can't check someone that's uncheckable. It. it, it that's the reality of, like, if he can't – if KD can't check him, nobody can check him. That's how I look at it. You can't check somebody that's uncheckable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he, he he carries himself as – like, he, he holds the most value to the team. And I think he just ended up in the, the right spot because you're paired with two passive players that are better than you, Clay and Seth, and they're – you know they're not going to say nothing. Iggy can't say nothing to you because, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, at the time. And then even now you can say now that Draymond was the better player. He was more important to the team. So it's like, okay, Iggy, who are you? I mean, Durant wouldn't say anything to anybody. He just wanted to hoop, clearly. I mean, he didn't say nothing to Kyrie. He didn't say nothing to James. He wasn't going to say nothing to Draymond. So that's just, he just hasn't been paired with that true alpha male that's like, nah, you need to cut it out. So he just thinks he's like the guy, but, you know, he, he's delusional. <laughs> my, y'all made my point. So I think that, to me, that's the most interesting thing about it that nobody's really mentioned. It's like, well, you know, who's like somebody, like as a team, somebody needs to call a team meeting something. Mm-hmm. Like, bruh. <laughs> this is not good. Um, so that's one takeaway there. And I actually didn't hear Steven Jackson today, Coach JP3, but I was thinking the same thing mm-hmm. um, in terms of Steve Kerr, you know, because I, you know, I did hear some, you know, I think it was maybe it was Clay that said, you know, he's getting 2015 vibes, I guess, because they were down 2-1 in that series and they came mm-hmm. back. And, you know, well, Steve Kerr needed to go back to 2015 and kind of, make a decision here when he inserted Iggy into the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. If Draymond's continuing to do this, like obviously the game is going on now, um, you know, but if he's starting off and he's doing the same shenanigans, I mean, you got to yank him. I mean, you got to go with maybe Kaminga a bit more. Yeah. You know, play some more auto quarter. I mean, something, I mean, cause this, he's not giving you anything at this right. point. Um, so you know, from a warrior standpoint, that's kind of my perspective. From the Boston standpoint, I'm not surprised. I, <laughs> I think tonight's game would be telling for me because that would tell me if they've learned their lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, more specifically from the Buck series and really the Miami series uh, because we, we've seen them have this up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, and that's really been my biggest concern with them. And that's why originally I picked the Warriors to win the series, not because I think the Warriors are better. I just think Boston, to me, still hasn't learned their lesson yet. So, so again, if they can win tonight, you know, that goes a long way to them winning the series because I, it still would be possible anything can happen. But I think they, sh- 
either game five or game six at home, they should be able to take it if they win tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that would tell me a lot. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors won today. I mean, that, I really that would not be surprised. That 2015 vibe, that, that's over with. <laughs> over with. Because 2015 won. I mean, this, this Celtics team is not uh, LeBron and Della Dova <laughs> carrying the It's carrying not. The it's team. not. Like, you, you were the better – like, you were the better team at that point. So, now you're – you're down – Two one, and you're the underdog. Mm-hmm. No, I I hundred I agree with you. Again, my my worry on them coming back is it will be totally Boston's fault right. because we know what the Golden State Warriors are going to do, and they've done it. They've done it through all three games so far. They have a strong start. They try to blitz you in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And then if you can kind of hang around Steph or Clay or, you know, Jordan Poole or somebody like that, hits a couple of threes, and then it's like, all right, yeah, they got it. That's what the Warriors do. Mm-hmm. They are front runners. That's what they do. Yeah. And, and to their credit, they're, they're front runners. But the, the thing, have y'all checked? <laughs> have y'all saw Steph Curry's stats in the fourth quarter? No. that Abysmal. It doesn't, he, but the thing is, that's bad. what he does. But that's what that if you go way back, he doesn't because most of the time when they come out and blitz you in the third quarter, all he has to do is hit maybe one or two shots in the fourth quarter, and then and then the other team's like, all right, we're done. Damn, he's oh my fault, y'all. He just got ripped. <laughs> <laughs> my fault, but, y'all. So that that's that's the Warriors. They're a bunch of front runners. That's what they do. That's what they do. Because to me, game two, when, when you know, with Boston losing, they played like they won game one. Yeah. And obviously, that's an, that's an obvious statement. But, you know, usually the cliche statement, they say, you know, you know, especially if you're a team that doesn't have home court advantage and you start out on the road, mm-hmm. if you can split one of those games, you're like, all right, we're good. Yeah. They played game two exactly like that. They still had a chance to win that game. They did. In yeah. the third quarter. And they just gave it away. Yep. So, so again, for me, this is a, this this series from the beginning has been about Boston. It's going to be how they're going to dictate the series. It's whether they're going to come out and play like they're supposed to, mm-hmm. or they don't come out and do these dumb turnovers like Marcus Smart thinking he's Allen Iverson trying to split the defense. Dude, <laughs> you're not that guy. Stop doing that. <laughs> Obviously, Tatum. by Drew Holiday didn't teach him anything. That's a, like Jason Tatum. Jesus. How many times are you going to dribble into the double team? You can see it coming and you dribble right into it. Like, dude, what are you doing? Yes. I'm, well, I mean, I'll calm down. That was just, it's just very funny. <laughs> I don't know why they do that because they did it in Miami. I'm like, bro, the game is over. The yeah. game seven, the game was over. Yeah. And Miami literally almost came back and won the game. Like, what are y'all doing? But anyway. But long story short, <laughs> again, if, if somehow Golden State, you know, wins this game, it wins this series, it's straight up 100% Boston's fault because they're going to be the ones that just strictly gave it away. If they play like they're supposed to, they will win this series 
honestly in five they could but again i i don't know i just have i have to see i have to they have to actually go out there and win it for me to believe it so yeah we'll see well fellas i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to keep this short here um so the whole narrative about Draymond Green this week, and for those of you who've been tuning in to, to sports shows on pretty much any channel, any vehicle, the narrative on Draymond Green, you know, people are talking about the podcast getting in the way and, you know, stuff like that. Um, the funny part about that is, is that no one was saying that after game two. And that's because the Warriors happened to win that game. But what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna, I'm gonna illustrate a couple of stat lines from Draymond Green. Okay, so we're gonna start in this game here. All right, so in this game, Draymond gets two points, four rebounds, three assists, and a block. He shot four times, made one, missed both of his three-point shots, and he was a minus thirteen. He had two turnovers and was a minus 13. All right. I'm going to go to another game. And Draymond Green's stat line is as follows. Five points, seven assists, one steal, one block. He shot three times, made two, missed his three-point shot, hit, hit some free throws, and was a plus seven and had another turnover. Those stat lines aren't drastically different from one another. The first stat line I gave you was game three. The second stat line I gave you was game two. So all of this like narrative driven on Draymond Green, he was basically giving you the same production. He got a few more assists in game two, which was the big difference maker. That was the only thing that was remotely different. But he wasn't giving you that much production, but they kept talking about, man, he just bullied the Celtics and, and psyched them out and everything like that. Then he tried it again in game three, and the Celtics were like, we are, we're not falling for that again. That's cute. That's cute. So I, I, I don't think that the narrative placed on Draymond was necessarily accurate. I think his impact in each of these games has been pretty similar. It's just the Golden State Warriors happened to win the second one. And Draymond was doing a lot of his antics when they were in the lead. So it's a little bit, it lands different if you're front running and Draymond's doing these antics and stuff like that. So the one thing I want to illustrate in the series is the difference between the win, the wins and the losses for Boston. So I'm going to pull up these stat lines very quickly here. All right. So overall, let's pick the game that Golden State won. Why did they win? Field goal percentage, 45.3% for Golden State, 37.5% for Boston. They made 30 out of 80 shots. Horrendous. All right. Everything else, until you get down to the turnovers, Boston has six more turnovers than Golden State. And actually, the rebounds, Boston won the rebounding battle in game two, though they lost by one. So looking at that game, they shot horrendous from the field and turned the ball over six more times. Boston takes an L. 
So if you take those same type of stats and you go into game three and you're like, man, why did Golden State lose? You know, what was going on there in the game? This is what worries me about Golden State having a, a small chance of winning this, this series. And I picked them to win. And this is why I'm nervous about my pick. Boston shot 48% from the field. Golden State shot 46% from the field. Almost, almost equal there. Almost. So you notice how drastically bad Boston shot in game two and lost. Golden yeah. State shoots right on par pretty much with, with Boston and loses by 16. Uh, other glaring stats here. Actually, Golden State turned the ball over four more times. Uh, the big one off out of here, though, for me, um, was seven more rebounds by by Boston in the la- in the last game. A lot of that was Robert Williams just jumping over Draymond and taking the ball away from him. I, you know, Draymond, like I thought he would be better at boxing people out by now because he's always been undersized. So it's like you should know how to deal with bigger guys. You've had to do it your entire career. But you're letting Robert Williams just basically outwork you to the ball. And instead, Draymond was expending his energy playing football at the free throw line. If you saw that clip where he's grabbing Jason Tatum and throwing him to the side. Right. So I said all that to basically say that what worries me about Golden State is the way that they're losing the game. Is that they're basically keeping up with Boston and still losing. And when Boston doesn't win, it's because they shot poorly and they kept turning the ball over. To Coach Natty T's point, that basically just puts numbers to your argument, Coach Natty T, that if Boston takes care of the ball, they make their shots, on at least on par with Golden State, they win the game by double digits. So that's what worries me about Golden State's chances here. So... That's all I wanted to say. Field goal percentage, rebounds, and turnovers have been the key to this series. When Boston takes care of those, they take care of the Warriors. So, um, y'all's thoughts on that? I, like I said, I, I don't disagree with you because, again, I've always felt like Boston's a better team overall. It's just a matter of if they're going to play like it. Um, and then also, I think the other interesting thing about this series is – Kind of to, you know, go to first point is it's just the it's it's just the media driven narrative because I think people are still looking at Golden State like, you know, the 2015, 16, 17, 18 Golden State. And I'm like, well, no. And even I've heard, well, you know, even if Boston wins this game, you know, they're down 3-1. They've come back from 3-1 before. I'm like, yeah, Steph, Draymond, and Clay have not Otto Porter. <laughs> not, not, <Michael> Porter. <laughs> not Jordan not, yeah not Jordan Poole not Wiggins I mean th- those guys haven't come back from from 3-1 down they don't know what that's like uh, so it's it's not the same team and and again I, to kind of harp on the Draymond point because again I, I, I don't really care about the podcast because I, I don't think that necessarily has an effect on his play I just think he's at this point he's not saying it but his his approach is saying it that he knows that he has fallen off the cliff. Like mm-hmm. it was very evident to... in the press conference. It well, was very evident. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's reverting to Patrick Beverly esque antics. <laughs> I mean, he's he's basically telling you like, "Yo, I'm trash, so I have to resort to this to even stay in the game." Like he's already telling you that. So like, nope. I mean, it ain't a podcast. And look, this throughout this playoffs, he's been averaging like seven points a game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So his output is actually his average right now. Yeah. So I get, you know, he's kind of like the fire starter for the Warriors, whatever that means, but he's been trash. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's always the loudest one that gets the attention, right? And that's Draymond. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So so that and I think that's really ironically that's been the issue with the Warriors because now you're starting to see stuff. I don't want to say expose, but because he's numbers wise, he's been playing well. But when you talk about the fourth quarter point, when you have a Draymond that's down, a Clay that's down, and then the rest of your team hasn't really been there before, now we're relying more on you stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's to Coach Mark's point, like he like. He has to score like 40. Yeah. And stay out of foul trouble too. And stay out of foul. Like he, like that's what he's gonna have to do. He ain't built like Dame. And he's (laughs) He's he's, not. He's not. And it's my last point. What's ironic is, and it happened in game one, Boston is out Golden State, Golden State. Because now Golden State is relying on Steph to be a great individual when they've really done it on a collective in those Mm -hmm. years past. Mm -hmm. And it's flipped because Boston, even though I think, you know, I agree with coach again, um, Jalen Brown has been the most consistent player, but when you really look at it, they've done it as a collective unit. Yeah. Boston has, and that's kind of reminiscent of what golden state used to do. Mm -hmm. Two guys averaging, giving you 25 to 30 points. You have another guy that's going to give you 18 to 20. And then, you know, the rest of the guys are going to give you 8 to 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what Golden State used to do. That's what they used to do. <laughs> now about. they're asking, hey, Steph, can you score at minimum 30? There Clay, you. can you maybe get us 20? 20, yeah. And then everybody else, like, can you have a good game today? <laughs> that's what they're hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Boston found a formula in game three. Yeah. Of really just saying, all right, Steph, they're depending you on the offense. Let's see how bad you could play defense. Because the one thing to do is be physical with him and wear him down a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's known for his cardio. He runs around the floor a lot. And I, you know, we give him a lot of credit on this show for the stamina that he's put into the game uh, to get off his shots and to be a terror for defenders. Yep. It's hard to do that when Marcus Smart is bodying you in the paint every few plays. Right. And that was a great form. When I saw them pull that out, I was like, okay, that I, I think they got something because if Steph's going to be at the one to carry him, make him as tired as possible by the time the fourth quarter ro- rolls around. Runs out of gas. Or he runs out of gas. Or in, in that time, he not only ran a little bit out of gas, but he got into foul trouble. He had four quick fouls. And I don't think Boston pressed hard enough. And I said this in, in one of our group chats. I was like, I think Boston should have went even harder after that four foul and got him to sit down because when they didn't, Steph caught a little flurry there to bring him back into the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, he's, he's that good. Like he's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. So you have to really take him out of the game. And so when, when, you know, where, when you, when you smell blood, you got to go for it, you got to get rid of him. 
So I think if Boston really wants to make this an easy enough series, easier series for them, they really got to execute that to perfection. And please stop going under the screen oh, when he has the ball. Come like Robert Williams, what are you doing? Al Horford, what are you doing? Marcus Smart, what? Are you, I, yeah, it's so frustrating. You're just giving him threes. It's like, dude. Yes. Robert Williams can't actually get over screens because he's playing on one leg. But the other no. two, yeah. I, can't, yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't speak for them. Man. <laughs> like, bro, and you see every time they go up on him, it forces him to change a little bit. He either doesn't get a clear, clear, a clearer shot or he has to give the ball up or he has to put the ball down on the floor. That's what you want. You want Steph to put the ball down on the floor. Because if he puts the ball down the floor, now he's got to go forward. And the worst he could do is a two-pointer, right? Everybody stay disciplined. The worst he could do, too, is a two-pointer. Yep. You'll take that over those threes that from half court that just get everything ignited and demoralize the team. And, and another thing is Boston, Boston's not afraid of these dudes. A lot of times that Golden State won based on fear. You know, and, and so when you look at, if you think that's, of all, great- that's what I, that's what I was saying. It's that it's that third. They come out in the third quarter yeah. and they just blitz you, and then it's like, oh, here they go again, and then you end up just quitting. And this is this shows this goes to show even if they don't win this series, that you know Boston still holds their own. Let's just say they don't win. This just shows like the formula that I've been trying to preach for years <laughs> is what happens in the NBA is that. If you go and state intimidated people and put fear in people so much that they got the other team outside of what they do best. And they would try to match Golden State. That's not how your roster is built. You're not going to be able to do that. Houston Rockets. <laughs> losing game six and seven, though Chris Paul was injured. You had game you had game seven. And you kept trying to jack up threes, jack up threes, jack up threes. We got to match Golden State, jack up threes. And you shot yourself right out the game. So you you, th- you look at those teams over the years that have just tried to outshoot Golden State. We gotta we gotta be able to match them. No, you don't. And Boston, because Boston isn't matching them three for three. Mm-hmm. It's but, about good defense and getting a bucket at the end of the day. He's heating up right now, Steph. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Al Horford steady going under these damn screen. Uncle at listen, bro. Coach JP3. And then I guess, you know, for our listeners, y'all gonna hear this after the game, obviously. But when you said under the screen, literally Al Horford went under the screen, stepped in a step back and hit a three. As as you were saying it. I'm like, this is but I told you, I'm telling you, this is what I'm talking about with Boston, man. Because this the pressure's on him in this game. Yes. And I told y'all they don't play well at home. So I, I would not be surprised if Golden State wins this game because I'm telling you, Boston, I don't know what gets in their head, dude. Like, And you look at Emil Doka on the sideline, that brother be stressed on the yeah, sideline. Yeah, he's like, dude, we, this is not what we talked about. Exactly. How many more times do we have to go over this? <laughs> How many times do we have to go over this? Like, seriously. Jeez. Oh, Lord. Okay. Hey, so anyway, we'll, we'll move forward. But as a branch off of that, some of the earlier coverage this week was covering uh, Jason Tatum and some of his comments um, after one of the games. And, he, and, and, and I'll paraphrase what he said. You know, he was asked, you know, it, he was thinking about the superstar and people called him superstar. And he said, you know, well, um, who came up with that? Like, who, 
who basically identified me as a superstar was that the that to me I didn't say that did somebody else say that like so he was kind of shying away from being identified as a superstar and so the media caught that and just kind of ran with it this week uh so that combined with some of, of how he's actually playing coach Murph if you want to dig into that what are your thoughts about Jason Tatum a lot of people are anointing him as that guy what are your thoughts ain't it <laughs> he ain't it. This is this is the <clears throat> this is when somebody's the product of a good team. So, um, like I, how I, I've been saying, you know, in the group chat and on this this podcast, of how great of uh, Jalen Brown, how great of a player he is, and he's kind of like an afterthought. And it's like Jalen Brown is not a superstar. But if y'all really look at their games, like as a whole body of work, Jalen Brown isn't as far off from Tatum as what people in the media try to put. Like, I think, you know, of course, everybody loves points. And, you know, clearly Tatum is a better offensive guy. But them over here trying to feed these narratives of him being a playmaker, he's not that. You can tell by his turnovers. There's a <laughs> difference between playmaking and just making an open pass. He's not creating. He's not running the offense. He was the playmaker. He will have more keep ball control than Marcus Smart. You wouldn't have to split those. But he's the one that creates it. So it's like. People are so quick to throw the superstar term out because the people feel as though that there should be by ideally there's like one superstar each team. So if you're on a team and you're the best player, you're the superstar. No. That, that's just not what it is. You look at the Orlando Magic, who's the superstar there? Franz Wagner? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, you look at the Sacramento Kings. De'Aaron Fox is not a, a superstar. Like this is people just are so quick to be like, "Hey, he's the best player on this team, so he's a superstar." No, he's just a great player. Mm-hmm. He's a star player, and that that's it. So I mean, I understand what he was doing and trying to you know shy away from it. But I mean, also it was kind of dumb because everybody know, like you know what's being said about you. You know how uh, you know the media portray things. I mean, and plus you also do the same way of drawing unnecessary attention to yourself. Like, oh, you want to wear the Kobe arm sleeve and post a text message between uh, that you sent to him uh, to his phone before a, a playoff game or after the playoff game. Like, this is attention superstar type stuff. Yep. But you're just... He's just, he's just not a superstar. I, I think he's farther off than people try to put him. If you really think about the – if you think – I could probably put a, a list together and pick eight to ten players better than him in the Eastern Conference, mm. not even considering the West. So it's like it, – no, you're not a superstar. Like if we really look at it, there's probably like – 10 to 15 like true superstars in the league 
maybe even less if you count the ones on their way out. But like, he's he's just not that. He's just a, a great player. Just a great player. All right, Coach Natty T. What are your thoughts about Jason Tatum's comments and the way he's been playing in this series? Um, I mean, I don't really care about his comments. To be quite honest with you, um, <laughs> I just need him to stop dribbling into the double team when they're clearly trying to force <laughs> you into the double team. That's what. I, that's all I want. That's all I want from Jason Tatum. <laughs> It's just like it's so frustrating to watch it. Cause again, I mean, I like I said, I'm a soccer player. I'm not a basketball player. Play a little basketball, but I'm like, it is clearly what they're trying to do. That he dribbles right into it. I don't. Any regardless, um, <laughs> I I don't think he's a superstar yet either. Um, I mean, obviously, it seems like he's trying to play the kind of the Giannis card a little bit like, Oh no, you know, I, you know, I don't really want to be the face. I don't really want to be the superstar, you know, this, that, and the third, but I mean, listen, man, all those guys at that level have a, I don't want to put it. They have an arrogance. Mm-hmm. They got an ego. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. can't play at any professional level. If you don't think, in your head you the baddest mf out here mm-hmm. like that like period so you you he has it in him but i do think he does struggle with ultimately with his confidence yeah like on the court because there's you times where you there's mm-hmm. like for instance the the game six against milwaukee and obviously that's an easy one to pick because he had like 47 but still just the the back and forth with Giannis like just saying no we're not losing this game like that sort of over my dead body type of attitude play you don't get that from him all the time Mm -hmm. so to me that's kind of how I look at at least from a basketball sense anyway because you know basketball you play on both ends and all those sorts of things but you know there just has to be like that that sense of like we're not losing today mm-hmm. similar to what jimmy butler did in game six at boston he just said no i don't know if we're gonna win game seven but no we're not losing, we're not losing today. no mm-hmm. i don't give a damn what y'all do mm-hmm. i don't give a damn who you put on me mm-hmm. no this no it's not happening today um so i just need to see a, a bit more of that from him and then and again that doesn't necessarily mean he scores 50 he scores 40 he scores you know a whole bunch of points it's just a, a mentality it's a you know level of aggression or at least controlled aggression i should say uh, and just a level of like kind of attack mode you know when he's out there on both ends yeah you know because i i saw that in the net series a little bit mm-hmm. because he may, statistically he may not have had a great game in every game but when it was all the games came down pretty close if y'all remember, you know, like last five, six, seven minutes, who was Jason Tatum Garden? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you and his whole his body language was different, his attitude was different. He was like, nah, I got hit. That's yeah. what I want to see from Jason Tatum. Yes. Yes. And I just don't see that all the time. So that's why he's not a superstar for me. Gotcha. Coach Pace, what are your thoughts? 
No, next question. <laughs> that was easy. It, it really, I don't. He's not even the best player out of St. Louis right now, so I don't. <laughs> He's a really good player. That's about yeah. it. That's all I got for you. Yeah. Like we said last week, a star with superstar tendencies. You just never know when those superstar tendencies go out. But I do know. I need him to be way more efficient than what he's being. And part of that is because he's dribbling the double teams. Part of that is because he's taking horrible angles on his shots. And can you make a layup, bro? Like how many layups have you missed in this series? Like, oh my God, like, it's just so frustrating. He'll put a good move. He'll get to the cup. And I'm like, great way to be aggressive. He takes a good aim and misses the layup, just blows it. And then he'll flail his arms up and look around for, you know? And so that's what I'm like. And I hate it when some players, and it's not just him, but it's some players who look for the contact and they act on the contact without focusing on the shot. So I hate it when, when, when players do that because you, you're dependent on the referee to, to blow the whistle. No, you go and you try to make that bucket like you're not going to get the call. And if you don't, you make the, you know, you still made the bucket if, if, and, and if, um, you know, you might get an and one, but he flails his arm. I'm like, don't do that. Like, don't change your body structure to try to buy the foul. You go and finish that. Like you're not going to get a call and live with the results. So he has some growing to do in that sense. And yeah, just as you mentioned his body language, I love Jalen Brown's body language because there, there's, you know, we talked about off air. There's a dog in there. Like he's mean mugging people. He's barking at people and he'll just go attack. So first quarter, he went attack mode. He said, you could put Draymond in front of me. You could put Clay in front of me. It doesn't matter. I'm getting a bucket. Yeah, I, love, I love when he went at Draymond. He's like, yeah, that's for putting your, your feet, on my, feet on me. Yeah, bro. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> he was obviously irritated. By, by what that happened in game two. And he's like, nah, you're not, nah, I got you. I'm gonna I'm I'm beat you within the confines of the game. I don't have to play your game. I'm just gonna play mine and make you look silly. Oh. Like that's the type of mentality that I, that, that I like from my, from my, my player. So I, 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 if Tatum could have that more consistently, then I think um, they can make obviously light work of this series, but Knowing them, they're going to make this a lot harder than what it needs to be. So, as 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 you were speaking, Coach JP three Jason Tatum just made the dumbest pass I think I've ever seen. Oh god, the Literally dumbest pass five. I think I've ever seen. Top might be top five all season. Yeah, I mean, I don't all season. I, I, what the hell was that? The playmaker. I'm I'm glad I didn't see that. Well, and that's the thing. That's that's part of the turnovers is that he he sometimes. He'll get caught up in the air and throw the ball. And Marcus Smart does this too. Like get caught in the air and throw the ball right to the other team, right to the Warriors. Marcus Smart just takes stupid shots. Like they don't, I don't even think he'd be like thinking ever. <laughs> no. God, it's so frustrating to, to, to see that. But all right, we will move on. We'll move on. Uh, uh, we're going to talk a little football now because the Celtics, it, Stress, stressing us out here. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. I couldn't be a, a, a Doka. Like, I couldn't be Ime Adoka. Like, that, yeah, you would just drive me crazy. People would be getting benched left and right, left and right. So, anyways, 
so big football news this week. Um, you know, we've been continuing to talk a little bit about the Deshaun Watson case and some new allegations have come, come out this week. Uh, and so really now the pe people are asking, should the NFL just go ahead and shut him down? You know, so there's a school of thought that says they should wait to see this all play out. So, you know, or, or they should just go ahead and be proactive in a sense and just shut it down. So Coach Natty T, I'm going to give this to you first. And so what are your thoughts about how the NFL or the Browns should be handling the Deshaun Watson situation? Well, just from a, coming from a context of, uh, I guess, perspective, if you will, um, really at this point, they can't really do anything else. Well, I can't say they can't, but the position that they're in, they really aren't going to do anything else from what they've been doing, which is kind of wait and see, because I think what gets lost is you have to remember, you know, there's a players union and there's an NFL and then there's a bargaining agreement. So mm -hmm. in situations like this, when you've already been suspended or on the exempt list for whatever reason, they can't like resuspend you unless there's like new charges or a new verdict or something to that, um, yeah. you know, something to that sort of situation happening, right? Right. Now there's new allegations that have come out. And again, I want to be—I don't want to be insensitive to you know the females here. I'm just trying to just lay the facts out. It's just they're new allegations, so really nothing has really changed at this point. They've already deemed that he's not going to be criminally charged. So at this point, they're going to just have to wait and see how the civil case goes because right. I think what people are losing is at least you know the people that are upset about it is. Say they say, okay, we're going to suspend you for eight games. And then next year, 2020, I think the, the trial would be like spring 2023 or something, something like that. Say the civil trial happens and then more stuff comes out that's even worse or it looks right. even more bad. Mm -hmm. You can't go back and suspend them again. Like, is eight games enough? Should we have suspended them a year? Should it have been two years? So at this point, it's, I mean, it's a bad look in a way but you have to just wait it out at this point because it, again if you suspend him for four for eight games and then he appeals it and he gets four i mean is that going to be enough i don't know right remember he's already been he already kind of served a year suspension already i mean and then here's the other point to kind of go deeper down the rabbit hole Yes, is my personal opinion is Deshaun Watson an idiot? Yeah, I think so. Bare minimal, he's an idiot. Yes. No first point. of all, I don't know why you would, you know, expose yourself, no pun intended, legally speaking, in this situation. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just dumb. But point number two is, We, we're getting down a very dangerous road here because, again, he's not criminally charged. So it'll be one thing if he's, like, in a criminal case, mm -hmm. meaning, like, he's, he could serve jail time. Right. It's a civil case. So can you really kick somebody out the league for a civil case? 
Because if you're going to do that, like that, that's a very dangerous precedent you're going to set. And I know this situation is is very extreme and bad, but I'm just saying, I don't know if you want to go down that road. Mm. So I think that's what kind of gets lost on, you know, just from a macro perspective. Cause so we'll see how things turn out, but ultimately you're just going to have to wait until the, the civil case closes and, you know, everything comes out so they can really properly evaluate how he should be punished. Because again, you can't, at this point, you don't want to do a punishment just to sort of appease, you know, social media and, and, and just the, the general public mm-hmm. when something else comes out and you're like, damn, you probably should have done a year. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the place that they're in. And, and from a Browns perspective, I mean, we can talk morals and, you know, that's a separate conversation, but at the same time, he's an eligible player. They weren't, they're not going to charge him criminally. He, he served his year of suspension on the, on the exempt list. He's eligible to play. He's a very talented quarterback. So they said, Hey, let's go get him. Now I wouldn't have paid him that much guaranteed money. Absolutely not. But Hey, to each his own, right. They, they went out and got him. So at this point, you just kind of have to just wait, wait it out and see. Gotcha. I mean, that makes, that makes sense that the whole, you know, double jeopardy thing that you alluded to. It, and, well, it, and in this case, it would be triple jeopardy. Right. Because because again, he's already been he already certainly suspended for a year. Yeah. So then you give him another eight games that you're gonna give him another eight games for the same incident. Mm. And mm. as bad as it the accusations are, eh, I mean I, I don't know if you want to go down that road. Yeah, it's just it's just a mess all the way. It's, it's a mess because you're looking for especially the outside looking in, you're like 66, bro. Like yeah. seriously. Like, come on, like, you know, he did something stupid. He did it for that. That's a lot. That's a lot of people, you know, and we're, you know, it, it's, it's more like, hey, even if it's one, you should believe that person and see the process through. And it's like when it's but especially that many you're like, you know, he brought 66 people or, you know, multiple people over a couple of years to the hotel to be massage therapists and stuff like that. And people are coming forward. It's like, you know, he did something stupid. He, he said something. He. He uh, acted something. He sent something. You know, he did all. He did some stupid stuff. There, there's no doubt in my mind that he did something wrong. Uh, and so I think people are looking at that. And was like, well, you know, he did something wrong. There's no way he didn't do something wrong with all those people coming out and, and sharing you know, like stories. So why not do something? But it's like, yeah, if you want to do it, you want to have all the information that you need to make the proper legal decision. So in order to do that, you kind of have to see it out through, which op- optics do not look good there for the NFL, for the Cleveland Browns, because he has all this guaranteed money and we'll probably see him on the field in the, this season without any punishment. So it, it's, it's, it's a bad look for, for a lot of people involved. And so we'll, we'll see what happens as things continue to develop. The Texans are in the ball game now and they're like, oh, well, you know, we didn't we didn't know that was going on. You know, you know, we we, we made sure he had his hotel and everything like that and got the room set up for him. You know, I'm like, you know, we might send him a massage bed or two, you know, in there. It, I'm like, come on. Are you telling me you had no idea what was going on? Houston, really? Really? Is that what we're going to do? Is that is that what we're going to go with? Mm-hmm. And 
So I, I think they knew something was up, but that's their star quarterback. So they didn't say anything about it. Star quarterback threatens to leave. All of a sudden, everything gets the tea, the tea gets spilled out the kettle. And I'll say one, and I'll add one more thing. I think from a Deshaun Watson perspective, I think you can look at it two ways, you know, as far as him trying to fight the the allegations in one sense, you could say, well, you know, maybe he didn't do anything wrong and he's just trying to fight to clear his name. Mm -hmm. But I think the other side is too. He should have just settled from the beginning. I know that that may not sound good, but he should have just settled from the beginning. I know that's a lot of money he had to give up, but I'm telling you, the longer it drives out and the, the more worst, information comes out, mm-hmm. it you can't put you can't reel that back in. You can't put that back in Pandora's box. Once it's out of there, it's out. Mm-hmm. So to me, it would have been better off, you know, at the very beginning when you had like you know, there was, you know, there's rumblings about Deshaun Watson and then, oh, there's a settlement that he should have done that from the beginning. Because, again, I mean, the, the more and more stuff that comes out, it's just you, you can't put it back in the box, man. Yeah, you can't. And this even is if be... he wholeheartedly feels he didn't do anything, the smarter move would have been just to just pay it. Just be done with it. Yeah. Hey, early. I know I know it's a lot of money, but just pay it. Because it's going to follow you all throughout the season. So even if you're on the field, your teammates going to get asked about it. Your coaching staff is going to get asked about it. The media is yeah. not going to let it go. And especially if more stuff comes out. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, any of the other coaches want to chime in on the case or anything like that? What other thoughts? Before we move on. Uh, I mean, I just think everybody's playing a numbers game. Um, what they're trying to do is basically prosecute him in the court of public opinion. So you have somebody where, um, you know, he is pretty much in a lose-lose situation. Uh, nobody knows what happened besides him and, you know, the masseuses in the room with him. But, um you know, there wasn't enough evidence the first time around. And I feel as though that because, I mean, at first it went up to like 24, I believe, around there. Um, and then it stays there for a while. Uh, there wasn't enough evidence on him. And then he gets his deal. And then now you go up to 66. So I think it's just kind of like people will get wrapped up into the numbers and be like, oh, well, he got his money. So I guess 20 wasn't enough. Here's 66. So, I mean, thing, I feel like the way things are coming out and I know that it's like a whole process, but I think they like stuff like this happens just to kind of throw, you know, the people throw the public off because they just see the numbers. Not too many people do research and it's not like there's much that we can really gather. All we know is it's this one man 66 women so everybody just automatically assumes well at least all 66 can't be lying so it's mm-hmm. uh you you settled earlier man i'm telling you but that's the thing it's a lose-lose because i mean that doesn't mean it was going to stop the others because it's like okay i paid the next thing you know you got another 46 come up like oh well 
he did something to us too. So, cause they're going to be like, Oh, well he paid his way out of that one. So maybe he'll do it again. So it, it's, it's really a lose, lose. There's no way you could really, you could handle that. And that that's, what's kind of unfortunate for people get uh, that's accused of something like that, that didn't do it. Of course, we don't know if he did or didn't, but like, it's so tough because it's, they're going to bring it up for the rest of his life, regardless, whether, you know, it's true or not. So like we, we seen, uh, men do these things before and get away with it. We've seen, uh, you or and women. I mean, we see men and women accuse someone of touching them before and that person really didn't. So we've seen both, both ways, um, but all we can do is just sit, wait, and and see. I mean, it's at the end of the day. I mean, with all verdicts, and there's going to be somebody that's unhappy about it at, at the end of the day. But all we can do is sit and wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more to come. Story keeps evolving, and we'll continue to cover it here on the Coach's Box. Uh, so along with this whole Deshaun Watson case, the guaranteed money from the Cleveland Browns didn't just hurt the public opinion of Deshaun Watson, so to speak, but it also hurt the quarterback market. So that leads us into our next topic. Where we're talking about Lamar Jackson. He's not showing up to camp. You can tell he's already, he's frustrated and all that kind of stuff. And so there's rumors start leaking. And it's, it's interesting when rumors start leaking, you have to like, where is the source of the leak? Right? And so, of course, Lamar is going to keep himself out of it and not say it. He's not going to say it publicly. But you know, you know how it goes. So that, that's when the stuff about LeBron comes out. And like, man, who... Who could have said that about LeBron? I'm like, it's probably one of LeBron's boys. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's not going to say it. But they strategically leak out information to control a narrative or to push some type of agenda to see if they can flex on the situation. That's what I think is happening here with Lamar Jackson. Uh, and so the rumor is that he might try to force his way out to go to the Dolphins. So I ask the coaches here, do you think Lamar should transition out of Baltimore? And if so, are the Dolphins a good landing spot for him? Yes and yes. <laughs> I mean, you, you put so much time and energy into a franchise that clearly doesn't understand your value. They don't want to pay you. They don't want to get you a receiver. You constantly perform even though you're undermanned. I mean, everybody wants to critique his development as a passer, but don't want to talk about or critique the the coaching staff or the scouts of getting him a receiver. Because a lot of the all-time, you know, great passers or even the players that you saw take a next step was because a receiver was brought in. Jared Allen was a good quarterback. When they added Stephon Diggs, he looked a lot better. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh Allen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Josh Allen. So, I mean, like, you know, you just, that's just the game. You got Jalen Hurts, 
who they talk about him as a passer. They move up to get Devontae Smith. They make a move to get A.J. Brown. No excuse. Mm -hmm. This is what teams are doing. So, and that's how you're supposed to be at, you know, for your quarterbacks, if you actually want them or, you know, whatever. So, um, you go to Miami, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Mike Jusecki and tight end. I mean, you got Jalen Waddle. I mean, you're, you're pretty much set. <laughs> you're well, not even, you're set. You're a better thrower uh, and you got more of an arm than Tua. Tua may just be a bit more accurate, but you're more of a playmaker. I feel like it it gives them a lot of versatility. It I feel like in going there with the players they have, it will be what the Ravens offense is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a solid move. Uh, I think it'll be a great move for him. Um, I, I wouldn't spend another game with the Ravens. unless i'm paid and then i'm even if they offer it to me i might reconsider because i'm just like well i know i'm gonna struggle again to get another payday because y'all don't want to get a receiver Mm -hmm. yeah makes sense to me coach pace we're thinking about the Lamar jackson situation if i see him in on any baltimore ravens like in any baltimore raisin ravens facility <clears throat> it better be 250 million signed next to his name. And like Coach Murph said, man, I don't even know if I would consider it because they didn't hire me as the strength coach. So I know they're going to get hurt again. <laughs> um, I didn't get to bring my staff in. So I definitely know they're going to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I mean, even on a down year, a down year. What's funny is they still went eight and like three when he was with yeah. all the backups and stuff like that. They still went eight and three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're questioning if they should pay him. <laughs> I don't like my thought processes as a GM is like, oh, he played with like second and third stringers and we're eight and three. Mm-hmm. So, and we're still debating on that. I'm out. Like, what are we, what are like, what are we debating on? Cause y'all had, cause y'all effed up and messed up with Joe Fluco. What did I got to do with me? <laughs> what did I got to do with me and my money? I before, I got an MVP. He had Ray Lewis. I don't. He had, <laughs> I don't. He had T Sizzle in his prompt. I don't. Like what, what you want me to do? My team went against Derrick Henry. <laughs> what? I don't get it. We went against Josh Allen and Cole. Like I don't. Yeah. I, I, I just it. And y'all got with man. I'm out. I'm out. I'm going anywhere but Baltimore. I bet you that. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I don't, I wouldn't blame him one bit. Coach Nadetti, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, and you know, it was a. Good transition because I'm telling you this this is the Sean Watson thing that I tell you it, it there's so many layers to it because that's really the crux of the issue because Lamar is looking at it like well I know Deshaun's good but 
he didn't win MVP. Mm-mm. And y'all paid him with all that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I beat I'm, him in the playoffs. I and beat I beat him, time. right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to need at least five to $10 million more per year than what he's getting. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, so that's at the crux of the issue. And what's going to be interesting is Kyler Murray's another one. Now, I'm not putting him on the same level as Lamar Jackson. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying in terms of, you know, young quarterbacks, Joe Burrow is going to be up next. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Herbert's going to be up next. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, that Deshaun Watson contract, whew, that, <laughs> that's why, as you said, Coach JP3, that's why all the owners are so pissed at the Hazel for offering him that much guaranteed money because mm-hmm. it completely changes everything. Yep. Um, so that's interesting. And then before I go to the like the better fit, Lamar Jackson, I know he wants to keep everything in the family because I know his mom slash him are basically negotiating his his deal. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to have like an independent agent in these situations because when you're going through these sort of negotiations and you're sitting across the table it get kind of ugly mm-hmm. because what, and, and, and this is not specific to Lamar Jackson, what all teams do, um, you know, when they are negotiating a contract with a specific player, they're, they're bringing up, they're not going in like, not necessarily saying they go in in a bad faith sense, but, you know, they're trying to negotiate themselves. And they're like, Hey, I mean, you know, you're not Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You're not Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow got to the Super Bowl his first year, first full year. I mean, you won MVP. So when, when you hear those things, it's going to piss you off. Like, I don't care what nobody says. Like, yes. yeah, that's human nature. That's going to piss you off. So I think he he's kind of, I don't want to say suffering from that, but I think he's dealing with that a little bit because, again, his mom is doing the negotiations. So I'm perfectly sure – as unbiased as she's trying to be, I'm pretty sure she comes back to Lamar like, you could, you wouldn't believe what they said about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's 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 business, it's a contract negotiation. Yes. Whereas yeah. if you have an agent, they're going to come back and say, well, yeah, you know, we're still we're still working on a few details. Yeah. I think I can get them here. I think I can get them, you know, to this number. They will. You're not going to hear message. all of that. Yes, they will not tell them what the owners told them straight up. Right, what they didn't like about you, or why right, they don't right. make that money. Yes, exactly. right. So I do think, yeah. as much as I like Lamar, you know, he's trying to keep it all in the family, and you know, wants to see everybody prosper and all that. Like, that's fantastic. But sometimes, sometimes it's good to have just a totally independent, unbiased person representing you. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that as well. Um, and then you know, I agree with you know, as far as the fit with Miami, if you know, obviously that's. You always have rumors flowing around, but you know, if that were the case, yeah, Matt, because I think he would have the the foundation offensively for them to invest in him properly and his development. There's weapons there. So I think you would see, you know, the, the best version of him. And because this notion that he can't throw, it's just I know he played at Louisville and all of that, but I'm like, dude, like led the nation in passing like mm-hmm. two years in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, he yep. can pass the ball now. 
Yeah. I mean, I just don't – it may not be pretty. It may not look like Aaron Rodgers. It may not look like Patrick Mahomes. But, listen, I mean, he can throw the football. Yeah. The man, like, led the NFL in passing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. In a league where you have Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And they weren't injured that year either. Nope. Like, he straight up – like had the most passing touchdown, but he can't throw. I don't. I mean, come on, man. Whatever. I I hate that. I hate that narrative that's been placed on him. <laughs> uh, you know, he'll 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 mess it up every once in a while and throw a bad pass. It's like, but no, he's, he's not, not the most accurate. Don't get me wrong. He's not the most accurate passer. But mm-hmm. come on, man. I mean, yes, because he ben- he benefits from having bigger targets, just like any quarterback. And so when you're not as accurate, you benefit even greater from the bigger targets, which is why him and Andrews play so well together. Exactly. Andrews is a big target. He's a good route runner and can catch the ball, you know. It, but, I mean, outside of that, you're talking about he throwing a little Hollywood Brown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he throwing a uh, – um, what's, what's the guy's name that used to play for the Saints? Um, that's on That was on the team a couple years ago. Dude, is that? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, like, I mean, you got those guys, and it's like, no, they're – and you look at it, it's like they they even struggle to get open sometimes. It's like, so where do you expect them to throw the ball? So he's already not the most accurate quarterback. Then you have to try to say, all right, you're going to have to fit this into a, to a, tight, to a tight window. It's not going to help. And so what, I, what people are looking at Lamar and they're cited – some people are citing with the Ravens, and they're like, well, you know, yeah, he's not the best thrower of the ball – you know, he can't, he can't, he can't throw. So, and he runs too much and he's going to get injured and he's already got injured a little bit. So why would you invest all that money in someone whose body is at jeopardy when he runs? Now, a sensible owner will look at this situation and say, yeah, but part of that is on us, right? That these are the game plans that we are crafting for him. But if we shift this a little bit and he doesn't have to run as much, if we help further develop him as a passer and actually get him some people to throw the ball to, it decreases his chance of injury greatly. Right. So for people to use that as an argument, not to pay them, I'm like, no, part of that is on the Ravens. A lot of that is on the Ravens. And Lamar is like, okay, if this is what you want me to do each and every year, then fine, I'll do that. Right. But it's up to the team to develop. That's why Mahomes looks better every year. That's how Joe Burrow got to be so good so quickly. That's how, you know, Josh Allen looks so good, you know, and also they they actually have receivers. So that helps. So you look at those kind of things. I I, I just I just think that if the Ravens had any sense in them, if they wanted to do this, then they would build a team around him. But I. I think it's a little bit too late in Lamar's mind. I think the damage is done. And, and so because of that, that's why stuff, stuff like this leaks out. If you if your mom has been in those conversations and she comes back and tells you the things that they didn't like about you, that get that exponentially heightens your frustration. So now it's not a coincidence that now is when we're hearing about this story. That's not a coincidence. All right. So that's kind of my thoughts on the issue. They did the same thing to Cam. Yep. They did the same thing. Cam's arm wasn't shot. Like, they literally took all Cam's weapons away from him. Calvin Benjamin was fat, and they traded away Steve Smith, who was still in his prime. 
Yep. So, and your best receiver is Greg Olson. And y'all don't draft DJ Moore until Cam is basically on the outskirts. And DJ Moore is like a rookie. So it's like, and then you got McCaffrey in the backfield, but like, and then Greg Olson's on his way out. Mm-hmm. So like, they're basically doing the same thing that, you know, they did to Cam. And they're like, Cam can't shoot anymore. No, I mean, can't pass anymore. It's like, no, Cam can actually pass the ball. Problem is, he took several hundred hits <laughs> to the shoulder, to the head, and y'all take it for granted because he's a 6'6", 260-pound quarterback. Right. But if it was Joe Burrow getting hit like that, y'all be ready to throw the flag. Uh, y'all didn't really give Cam a line, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Y'all gave him a great running, rushing line, of course, but y'all pass protectors, they weren't that great. He was still getting hit. Yeah. Um, was still like, I mean, Superman Cam was like a one man band. Like, name me one receiver from that outside, like Devin Funches. What is Devin Funches? Has what has he done outside of Cam? Was that Steve Smith's year? Was nope. Steve Smith on that team? Steve no. Smith was gone. He was going by okay. That's like his only notable receiver that he's had the entire Benjamin. time in Carolina. Benjamin was a fat yeah. slob. He was like two years. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. And the other receiver I was thinking of was Willie Sneed, who used to play for the Saints. Yeah, and he and Baltimore picked him up. That was a, their, their big receiver acquisition. I'm like, really? <laughs> Willie Sneed? He couldn't even fit into the Saints' Drew Brees system. Like, what are we talking about? Like, Lamar J- oh, Anyway. Anyway, I'm done. I'm done. But yes, that's that's very frustrating. Very frustrating. And I think timing is very is something to pay a lot of attention to. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, we're going to transition into. So speak for yourself. Did a top five defensive players of all time list, and so that there was a little bit of controversy in there because Emmanuel Acho decided to include Luke Keekley as number five all time on this. Yes. So. But all the other names were pretty cool. So we decided to make our own top five defensive list of all time. And Coach Murphy, you go ahead and get us started on this one. Oh, just so the, the viewers know, this is like, uh, you know, the top five players that I've seen uh, since I've been watching football. Um, so this isn't like all time, all time. So some names that you may be expecting to hear, you probably won't hear. So number one, I put Ray Lewis because, I mean, two-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, which, you know, isn't a regular thing for a defensive player. Um, and everybody just understand understood his, his impact on the, on the game. Like, he just ignited that, that Ravens defense. Um, three-time tackling leader, Hall of Famer. Um, 2000 all decade team, you know, easily a top five, top three linebacker, you know, to ever play the game. Um, I, I really don't think it is, it's much to say uh, about him. I just feel like he's, he's just one of them guys. Two, I, I went with, I went with Aaron Donald. Oh, um, at number two, okay. okay. At number two, because two and three, it, it was it was kind of tough. Um, but I, if I put 
my number three and number two, I think it would just be more so of a, a bias thing. But um, Aaron Donald, Super Bowl champion, defensive three-time <laughs> defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. uh, rookie of the year, uh, 2010s all-decade team. Like he, I mean, he's a monster. I mean, <laughs> you you saw he pretty much carried that that Rams defense in the Super Bowl since, you know, Jalen Ramsey wanted to give up everything else on the back end. But, uh, you know, he just got just got paid, so he ain't retiring at least for another two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think he's going to go down as one of those all-time greats at the lineman position. And, you know, D linemen really don't get enough credit for what they do because they're, I mean, in the trenches every single play. Like, there's no breaks. <laughs> so unless if you're – unless if offense is on the field, especially for someone like him that – you know, pinpoints weaknesses, and he alternates through the line. He doesn't just stay in one position. Now, my number three, how old this guy near and dear to my heart, Weapon X, Brian Dawkins. Mm. I knew he was going to put somebody from Philly on there. I knew it. And who else would it be? Who else would it be, man? That boy, Brian Dawkins would take heads off. I, I mean, he he likes to capture souls, as, as Tequito <laughs> Spike said. Um, but, I mean, just an amazing safety. He, I mean, you can view him for people that, uh, you know, wasn't old enough or not familiar with his play style. You can kind of pinpoint him as a guy like uh, a Jamal Adams, somebody that moves around in different, parts of the field I mean he can blitz he can uh you know play coverage hard hitters um great play rec uh I mean nine-time pro bowler also part of the 2000s all-decade team hall of famer a Super Bowl champion as an ambassador (laughs) for for Super Bowl 52 but um yeah that, that that's my that's my guy um Number four, I had to show your squad love, Coach JP3. I got Troy Palomalu. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he – Troy, he was just special. I, I just like watching him play. Um, his, <laughs> his play style, like, he could play – what you shaking your head for <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. Draymond Green is 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 playing. Oh, he out here playing boo boo. Yes, Still. exactly. Yes, Troy uh, is dope though. I, 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 oh, I, well, I, I, I just saw what now. Hey, I said he he need to come off the bench. I mean, he'll probably be good staying at home and doing his podcast. He should probably be one commentating the game and live streaming the podcast. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But um, I mean, he. Uh, a physical safety, a great coverage safety, two-time Super Bowl uh, champion. Um, I mean, everything was covered on the back end for for the Steelers because of him. Um, Just an amazing talent. And then lastly, at five, I put Ed Reed. Um, I kind of, you know, messed with the – idea of putting them higher but the only reason why I did it is because 
since I had, you know, Ray Lewis in my top five as well. And I mean, that Ravens defense was great as in totality. So I think, I mean, even though he's a great player, his, out of everybody else, I think it would be just a bit easier for him to make an impact because it's like, if you get pressure from Ray Lewis or Terrell Suggs, all you have to do is just be there pretty much. And I mean, yes, it takes a high IQ and, and talent to be there, but um, I think it would, his job was made a little bit easier playing with those players versus, you know, Brian Dawkins who didn't have, have that. Um, but also some accolades, you know, Super Bowl champion as well. I mean, all of the guys, Super Bowl, uh, well, <laughs> minus Brian Dawkins as a player, but Super Bowl champion, 2000 all decade team, NFL 100th anniversary all time team. Um, I mean, the guy as a like 14 touchdowns as a as a defensive player, especially playing safety. That's including the playoffs. That's that's just amazing. So, um, and 73 interceptions in totality. So. Like you, you can't you can't argue with that. But yeah, those those are my top five of the players that I've watched since uh, watching the game and the the defender the defensive players that I respected and felt like um, they they're just a, a part of that that top tier. Like you can't speak on you know defensive players without me uh, mentioning these guys' names. True, true. That's a, that's a good list. Not bad. Not bad at all. Coach Pace, I know you got some 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 hitters on your list. What you got for us? <laughs> All right, man. Y'all know my number one. Shout out to the boy that brought, brought us a ring, man. Hey, <laughs> could have won the MVP for the Super Bowl, but it's all good, man. Listen, Aaron Donald, feel me, speak for herself. I ain't got to say too much. Y'all know the drill. You feel me? It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got to go. I ain't even about to, You know what? Hey, my jersey on the way. Just know that. All right? <laughs> Number two, I got Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. Okay. DeMars already went over that. Coach, Mur- Coach Murphy already went over that. Number three, I got Troy. Okay. I just like the way Troy played a little bit because I like I like hitting as a football player, and I feel like Troy was a hitter Yeah. on top of being a finesse player as well. Now, number four, I got Ed Reed because Ed Reed, I'll never forget the play when uh, – who was it? Bill Belichick explained it. He was like, okay, it was against Peyton Manning. So what he did was, like, he faked the coverage. He knew Peyton was going to read the coverage for later in the season when they played the game. Y'all remember this. Mm-hmm. What he did was he ran across the field and then didn't even look and turn and ran the other way and picked Peyton off because he thought he read it the right way. But I was like, first of all, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. But, like, that's some crazy instinct IQ type stuff, especially against Peyton Manning because y'all know how that goes. Mm-hmm. All right. And number five, because he was the best to ever do it that I ever seen at his – at the hardest position, Darrell Revis. Revis, I ain't not one human on planet Earth since I've been living in 26 years. <laughs> Got their own island. <laughs> name me, name me somebody that got their own island. No, I you, you're right. You're right. N- name me, n- hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I 
his his peak as a corner. You can't be a corner and shut down a whole side. Like they literally had the question if you was all pro because you weren't getting enough passes thrown to your side. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how crazy it is. Like you didn't have the stats because they didn't. They knew not to throw to your side. The best corner I have ever seen, man to man, bump and run, literally takes your receiver and follows him. Y'all remember Moss when he played for the Patriots? Yeah, mm-hmm. shut that down. <laughs> all that down <laughs> yeah. all right but the best at the hardest position Darrell Revis honorable mention I'm gonna go JJ Watt okay yeah JJ's a game changer man I was okay that's a good list I like we have some variety in our list coach 92 who do you have on yours now coach 90 and I've been around a little bit longer so we've seen a little bit more and we'll see how we balance the new school and old school yeah and I don't have a necessarily a ranking i just listed mine so for me for me Dion sanders mm-hmm. that, yeah Re- revis man it's tough because i think Dion. i put Dion slightly ahead of revis in terms of best corner just because listen and i guess because i'm older i actually saw this game these both of these games I didn't see him, so mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, you know, no, I mean that's that's totally fair because when he was like thirty-seven in like Baltimore, that's yeah, more yeah, right. This dude, as you know, played for the 49ers and played for the Cowboys the year after that. Mm-hmm. Literally, this man in the NFC Championship game what was that ninety-four? Four, yeah. Playing the Cowboys, the man shuts down Michael Irvin. Mm-hmm. San Francisco goes to the Super Bowl and wins. The next year, Jerry Jones gets him on the team. And guess who they play? The 49ers. And guess who's on the 49ers? Jerry freaking Rice. They put Dion on him. Shut him down. (laughs) (laughs) And the Cowboys won the Super Bowl next year. I mean, that's absolutely impossible. Um, And then not to mention just his ability – you know, returning punts, returning yeah. kickoffs. I mean, all that. I mean, they put him out right receiver a few I mean, times. I mean, <laughs> yeah. They say go yeah. beyond just run. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was just an athletic freak. So that's why I put him slightly over Revis. Uh, but listen, Revis is, he has his own island, as you said. Um, next, I put Lawrence Taylor. I only seen little glimpses of him, but really for me, I put him in there just out of just pure respect because literally the man changed the game of football yeah, like he did your blindside tackle th- that doesn't exist without lord sailor <laughs> so, like when you're doing that to the entire league like you got to be top five i mean i know most people have him as the best defensive player of all time off track um, by the way <laughs> I'm talking about they got to give him IVs before the game. Bro, I mean, this is, and not just crack, like, this is like 80s epidemic crack. Like, that's, that's a whole different level of crack. It's the Al Pacino Scarface. <laughs> that Google sugar, like. For real. So that, yeah, that, to even add that on there, like, yeah. So, um, next I had Reggie White because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, again, I, was, I saw him actually play when he was on the Packers at the time. But that was the first, like, defensive end I've ever seen that 
they like double and triple team. Yes. And he was still moving dudes out the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the time when he retired, I think he had 198 sacks, and that was the most at that time before Bruce Smith ended up doing 200. Um, next, Aaron Donald. Listen, man, this dude's about to have 100 sacks as a defensive tackle. Yeah. Not a defensive end. A defensive tackle. That's crazy. So for those that may not understand what that means, I mean, that is damn near impossible. Because, yeah. you know, the usually interior linemen are usually your run stoppers, quote unquote. Your DNs are the ones coming off the edge and going after the quarterback. This dude has a hundred, almost a hundred sacks as a defensive tackle. That's impossible. <laughs> so to me, He's definitely top five. I don't, I don't know where I'll rank him, but he's top five. Um, last but not least, I went back and forth on this, but I went with Ed Reed. Mm. Um, and I have Ray Lewis six. I just felt like Ed Reed's ability to completely change a game based off his turnover ability, just him being a ball hawk. That's why I slightly put him over Ray. Because I know Ray was just an absolute, like, tackle machine. Um, Smart, obviously. But for me, Ed Reed was just, like, a complete game record game changer. So that's why I put him, like, slightly over Ray to edge it in my top five. But, yeah, Ray's definitely six for me. Or even if you want to do 5A, 5B. Five beat, yeah, yeah. Because they're so. T- I mean, they're both on. They both play together, so it's like it's hard to kind of separate them. But I, I just went with Ed Reed because he just man, that dude. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm gonna start from the bottom. Yeah, I tried to rank these. I I we were talking off air, and it was really hard for me to put these in order. Um, but I I did the best I could. So. Uh, five, Aaron Donald, for all the reasons that you all have explained. I mean, it, it's, it's sometimes, and I think people get caught in pure numbers, and when you're playing a sport, especially football on defense, sometimes your numbers aren't that as glaring every single time because of the attention that they play, they play to you. Unlike other sports, I mean, you're playing basketball, you're going to get your shot off, right? You, you know, you're going to get those things. You're going to see those things. But you got to watch football and see schematically what they're doing to try to neutralize one man. <laughs> and it still don't work. And it still doesn't work. <laughs> and because, you know, the Skip Baylesses of the world will say, he just doesn't jump off of my screen. You know, I just really don't see him. And look at, you know, compared to these other guys. No, it's like, and they're like, well, he doesn't even have the best statistics in some areas as his teammates do. I'm like, that's because he allows them to do that. His presence allows his allows Floyd to get off. Because what was Floyd doing before the Rams? I think it was with the Bears beforehand. We really, hey, okay, hey, it was okay. <laughs> but now we talk about little Floyd, like, oh man, like that's that dude right there. It's because Aaron Donald allows him to be that. Because he's when I see a man get double and triple team. And he's still almost getting to the quarterback. Like, I'm, I'm just like, well, well how, how can you deny his impact on the game? It, it's hard to deny his impact on the game. And I think him finally getting over that hump, you know, going to two Super Bowls, winning winning that one, and 
looking at the, the 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 timeliness of the plays he made, you talk about leaping off your screen. Aaron Donald willed those, some of the endings of those games. I'm making Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, what was it, Garoppolo throw, you know, this pass in this game. I'm making, um, you know, Joe Burrow make this pass in this game because he was forcing people, he was forcing quarterbacks to throw bad passes. And he's like, I'm not losing. And, and so when we talk about people that got that dog in and we were talking about basketball and Jimmy Butler in game six is like, I, we're not losing. I don't know what y'all thought was going to happen today, but it doesn't matter. We're not losing. Aaron Donald had that same mentality in the Super Bowl to get that done in and that playoff run. So, um, yeah, Reggie White, I have to put him because, and I put him a little bit above Aaron Donald. Uh, you know, of course, the sacks is much greater for, for, for Reggie White. But I think sometimes I like to acknowledge the teacher before the student. And so in this case, I'm, I'm looking at Reggie White as the teacher of this because it was the same thing, just from a, di- a different defensive line position, of course. But I, he would wreak havoc on people. They called him the minister of defense, for those of you that are not old enough to know. This dude would preach Jesus every day and then come out and lay your body to rest on Sundays. Like, that's, that's what Reggie Wright did. Like, he would terrorize offensive lines to the point where you're like, I don't know how to block him. It was that bad. It was that bad. He sounds like a psychopath. If you really, if you like, if you okay, you can preach on like you preach at eleven, but by by one, you terrorizing people. Like, don't that sound like a little bit of a sociopath? (laughs) I'm just saying. So imagine somebody saying a scripture while they putting your face in the dirt. Yeah, Reggie White, and he would, and people loved him because he was a very nice guy. He's a you know. But he, you put him on the football field, he put those pads on, it was a wrap for you. Like, that was it. Uh, you know, he did get that Super Bowl. So that, that was and, – and he imposed his will on that Super Bowl too. So I always look at at the brightest stages how the players show up, and Reggie White did that as well. Uh, Ray Lewis I put at three, and that's because every it, – it just boggles my mind that his nose for the ball is was, was uncanny because every defensive play – Ray Lewis was in the picture. And the reason I, I don't have Ed Reed, Ed Reed is an honorable mention in this. Ed Reed was the, the orchestrator of the secondary. Ray Lewis was the orchestrator of the entire defense. And so because of that, I have to give him a little bit more respect in that sense. Uh, he was clearly the leader. And in a lot of years, you could say he was just the leader of the entire team. Because we know Joe Flacco wasn't, you know, there was no one on the offensive side that brought that type of leadership personality in the way that Ray Lewis did to be able to motivate and execute on the field. So I I, I think in that sense, that made me put him in the the fact that he won with two different Ravens teams. So he was with the same team, but it was two different eras of the same team and still found a way to perform defensive excellence. And then that second one coming off that injury. And still being able to perform extremely well, um, you know, in the Super Bowl and stuff like I, I got to give the man is one of the most intelligent people I've ever seen play the game of football. And Ed Reed is up there, too. But Ray, Ray Lewis was just amazing. Lawrence Taylor, for the reasons that y'all said, literally changing the game there. They're like, we can't play football the way we're playing football now. <laughs> like It's not going to work. We're going to have zero quarterbacks able to suit up if we keep playing football the way we are right now. 
so that that was absolutely ridiculous. And I was, you know, I was really young when when Lawrence Taylor was playing, but I do remember a little bit, and I've watched plenty of, of film on him. And yeah, I, I think a lot of these guys model their game after Lawrence Taylor. Um, the energy that he brought, uh, especially if you look at Ray Lewis, you know, just that that type of bravado and energy and that motor that never stops, no matter. <laughs> what you're doing, what the score is, how old you are, how banged up you are, the motor never stops. Okay, so this is the one. And I'm a little bit biased because I have a poster of him right behind me. But primetime Deion Sanders, I put as my number one. And when we're talking about stats, not telling the story, or actually telling the story in a different way, what you described Coach Pace as Darrell Rivas was absolutely accurate. But Dion was the first I've seen to do that. And, and there's the poster behind me says, you know, he didn't have his own island, right? You know, Rivas Island was pretty cool. That was great there. But the poster behind me says, water covers two-thirds of the earth. I cover the rest. That was, that's, that was Dion Sanders you weren't throwing on that side of the field and he still was able to get 53 interceptions. I think Rivas got 26 or 29 uh, interceptions in his career. Dion got 53. Um, that Super Bowl back to, you know, that back to back run that you were talking about Co coach Natty T. I would never forget that two of the greatest receivers to ever play the game. He's like, I'm taking you out of the game. You're going to have to find somebody else. And yeah, so that 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 boggled my mind to be. I didn't think there was that was possible, for, especially for the same man to stop both of those guys, to slow those guys down. So you knew that Dion was going to take your number one away. So you had to figure out how you were going to plug in your number two, number three receiver, or try to move your number one around to get him off of Dion, to get Dion off of him. That's what you had to plan. That was the offensive game plan. Um, and if you threw it in his direction, the one thing that separates him from other DBs that were also great, like Rivas, if you did throw it his way, he was going to take it back to the house. If, 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 if you threw the ball Dion's way, it was going back for six. It was pick six. Because uh, he had the ability as a kick returner, he did his, his ability to navigate and not get tackled uh, was, was uncanny. Uh, so yeah, Deion Sanders, I, and, and he was, in my opinion, the best to play his specific position. So anyone that is the best at their specific position all time has to make the list in my mind. So that's my list there. Yes. Uh, but there are plenty of honorable mentions. Uh, I know coach Pace, you were throwing in folks, the other folks that you like seeing like Brian Erlacher, like people that jumped off your screen that had that that IQ and that motor. Yeah. Like it's, we've, we've had some great people in the game for sure. JJ Watt for sure. I think we just kind of take him for granted. Cause it was like, I mean, he did win three defensive player of the years, but I think we kind of take him for granted cause he played for the Houston Texans. So it's like, ah, we didn't really see you in the playoffs and now he's like injury prone. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if TJ keeps playing the way he he is, you know, who knows what conversation he may be in when his career is over. See, problem is with TJ, he plays in the uh, the Steelers system. And guess who runs the Steelers system? That defense is built around Cam Hayward. Mm, true. 
That if it wasn't for Cam Hayward, they would just double team TJ White. You have to double team Cam Hayward because he will. He ain't in the same. I wouldn't say he's in the same stratosphere as Aaron Donald, but like, if you don't get two massive bodies on Cam Hayward, you are in trouble. I mean, mm-hmm. big big trouble. Mm-hmm. That's true too. I and Bruce Bruce Smith is definitely up there for me too. I so one of the I I mean those Buffalo Bills teams that went to the Super Bowl. Though they were ain't, weren't able to win any of them, it certainly wasn't Bruce Smith's fault. Because out of all of the uh, the four Super Bowls, three of them were close. The big blow was Cowboys fifty two seventeen, so you could say the defense didn't show up. But the other three, defense was right there, and you know the offense couldn't get it done. But Bruce Smith, man, the man, the man has like what two hundred two sacks in his career. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> man. Yeah, and I mean, he has some other guys around him that you know the era. He was the Aerodano effect too, because you know your folks like uh, Cornelius Bennett and Daryl Talley, those folks were able to shine on the defense because so much attention was brought to Bruce Smith. Yeah, and he still was the one outperforming. <laughs> he still got his numbers. Yeah. So crazy. yeah, absolutely amazing. So we might, you know, this was kind of fun. We might do a little theme like this, a top five theme from you know every once in a while on this show. So I kind of like that. Um, but yeah, much respect to those that we did not mention on the list who are other great, you know, defensive players throughout our time. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens moving forward. We can't wait till NFL season starts. Uh, Aaron Donald got his money. Cooper cup got his money. So let's see what's, what's going on if LA can run it back. And we're about to get, Oh, I'm talk, get, I called him. Me and Snead, we are hey. a <laughs> with us, man. <laughs> Yes, somehow Coach Pace ended up not just a coach, but an agent as well. So <laughs> Listen, man, I'm I'm like, what's his name? Uh, I'm like Rich Paul, except I do football. There it is. There it is, Clutch Sports. Uh, yeah, so that's it for us here on the Coach's Box. Thank you for joining us on another episode. We look forward to y'all tuning in again next week for another great show. Stay best, stay safe, y'all. Peace. <laughs>